But um, All right, John chapter 13, and we will be starting in verse 1. This is Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to be with the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That's why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed his feet, or washed their feet, he put on his outer garments and resumed his place. And he said to them, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am so. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example. You are to do as I have done for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking to all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his hill against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place. That way, when it does take place, you will believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one that I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, we are excited to, to look in your word today. And, and I just pray, God, that you would just show us truth, God. That's why we come to your word. We, we know it's for our joy. We know it's for our good. So just open our eyes and show us what things we ought to rejoice in as we look at this scripture. I pray that you would just help us to, to step back and, and look at Jesus and how he's loved us and how he's served us. And, and let that be joy to us. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so I was, I was trying to think, um, what, what do I want to accomplish with, with the service today? I've had three weeks to look at it. I've, I've got all these things that they are popping into my mind. Man, God has he's really shown me a lot of stuff. And, and I was trying to figure out, well, man, what, what are the main things I want um, the people of Lincoln to see today? And so uh, the, the first thing that, that I feel like I really want you guys to see is I want us to just take a step back and look at Jesus and just, man, soak up his servant's heart and just, just take, take time to look at him, see how he loves and serves sinful men, all right? So that, that's one of the things that, that I really want us to take time to do today. And then um, I, I also want us to, to take seriously his, his command for us to do the same as he's done for us, all right? So that, that's kind of the first big thing we're gonna be looking at. W- what Jesus does, how he serves, and how he calls us to do that as well. Um, the, the second thing I wanna take a look at is two conversations that happen with the disciples, okay? First, Peter 
and then um, Judas. Okay, And both these conversations kind of show how they respond to what Jesus has done. So Jesus does this amazing act of humble service, and we're going to look at that first. Then we're going to kind of look at how these guys respond to that act. So that's where we're going today. And um, when John opens up in this text, he does something, he does something really cool. He actually lets us have a, a, a view into the mind of Christ that day. So he, John gives us three things that were in Jesus's mind the day that he got down and served the disciples. So first, I want to look at those just to kind of help us get some context. Uh, the very first thing is in verse one. It says that Jesus knew that his hour had come. All right, so what hour is that? Well, if you, if you look through the, the book of John, six times Jesus refers to this hour. And if you look through the other gospels as well, Jesus talks about my, my hour is not yet come or my hour is soon to come. Okay, so he's always talking about this hour. And, and the reason he's always talking about it is it's the hour that he came for, right? It's, it's the hour of his mission. And ever, ever since the, the beginning of his ministry at the wedding in Canaan, even till now at the Last Supper, this hour's on his mind and it's on his heart. And, and why is that? It's, it's because it's the hour of the cross, all right? So Jesus' mission is the cross. Man, he comes here. That's where he's headed his whole life. And, and what, this, what this text is telling us is today the cross is here, all right? Jesus says, my, my hour has come. The cross is right around the corner. It's rapidly approaching, okay? So the first thing John wants to, us to see is he wants us to see that Jesus knows the cross is coming, and, and he, he, you know, being the son of God, he knows all that entails. He knows that mocking's coming, all right? He knows that he's, he's gonna get beat and spit on, okay? He understands that's coming. He understands nails are gonna be driven in his hands, okay? And, and he's gonna carry the weight of the world's sin. So Jesus has the, all that in his mind. The second thing that um, John points out to us is in verse two, and that is that, Jesus knows that it's already in Judas's heart to betray him. So not only is, is the hardest day of his life coming, the cross, but he also knows that, that one of his, his inner 12, right, one of the guys he's lived with and, and ate with and ministered to and served, he knows one of those guys is gonna stab him in the back. All right, so that's the second thing he knows. And then the third thing he knows and... Um, is in verse three. So let's read verse three together. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. All right, so what that tells us is Jesus knows who he is. All right, so John's telling us these three things and he he finishes with saying, Jesus knows his supremely high position over everyone else there at the supper. All right, Jesus understands that, that he's not like these guys. He's come down from heaven, all right? He's going back to heaven. God the Father has been pleased to give him control over everything, all right? So it's, it's just John is pointing out Jesus' supremely high position. And John, John actually does that all throughout his gospel. If you look back, if you look back at John chapter three, um, starting in verse 31, he says some, some similar things. He says, he who comes from heaven is above all. He who is, is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in earthly ways, but he who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, even though no one receives his testimony. And then if you jump down to verse 35, it says, the father loves the son and has given all things into his hands. 
So the, the point that John's making in chapter 3 is, as well as verse 3 in our text is that Jesus has a supremely high position over everyone else there at that table. All right? He, he's, he's come down from heaven. He's witnessed, seen, and heard glorious truths about God. And he comes down and, and brings those to men. So he's just pointing out Jesus's high position. And Jesus, having full knowledge of all these things, having full knowledge that the cross is coming, that, that he's going to bear the weight of the world's sins, having full knowledge that he's going to be betrayed by one of his 12, and having full knowledge of his unexplainably high position, he goes low. He goes low, 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 down to the point of a slave. He takes off his garments, he wraps a towel around him, and he washes the disciples' feet. That's why, why John's trying to make clear to us. So Jesus willingly goes low and serves the 12. All right, so if, if there were a time when Jesus could not serve, it would be right now, right? Or where, where he'd have an excuse not to serve. I mean, with, with the cross a, approaching, I mean, seriously, save your energy. Tomorrow will take everything you have, even life itself. Yet Jesus, knowing that, gives everything he has to the disciples right now. Or, Jesus, come on, you're, you're gonna wash Judas's feet? Judas? The guy who's gonna stab you in the back? And these other guys, they're not gonna do much better, okay? Peter's gonna deny you three times. Everybody else is gonna split. You're gonna be alone tomorrow. You're gonna, you're gonna serve these guys? Yet, knowing they were gonna run away from him, them, Jesus drew, new, drew near to them and, and he loved them in a crazy way knowing that, that he was the highest among them and they would have been lucky to, to wash his feet. He got down and washed theirs. So Jesus gets down low and serves. Look at John 13, starting in verse four. Jesus rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garment and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. So right here we have a picture that we just need to, to pause and look at. The, the son of God, the king of glory, serving sinful men. And it almost seems wrong to say that. I mean, like it almost seems like, man, you, you can't talk like that. I mean, but that's what's happening. Jesus has stooped so low and, and got down so far that he's serving worthless people and sinful men. And, and Jesus is unique in this, by the way. How many CEOs do you guys know who scrub toilets? Not very common, right? You guys ever see President Obama out mowing the White House lawn? It doesn't happen. What, what Jesus is doing is, is both unique, beautiful, and strange. I mean, it's, it's a really weird deal. It's, it's not normal for kings to serve peasants. That's what's happening here. That's not a normal thing, but that's what Jesus is doing. So, um, th- this, this thing that he's doing, even though it seems strange to us, it's not anything new for Jesus, all right? Isn't that what Jesus has done his whole ministry? Loved and served sinners? And that's what John says in, in verse one. It says, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. So up until this point, John's saying, he's loved us. His whole life, start of the ministry, up until this point, he has loved all of those who are his in the world. He's loved and served us. That has been his ministry. He's been a gracious friend, a generous teacher. He's loved us so well. And then the second half, it says, he loved them till the end. 
And John's saying, he didn't stop. And he loved us up until this point. And then from this point on, he continued to show his love and his kindness to us. And, and that, that is a, a beautiful description of the entire ministry of Jesus. He loved them till the end. And as it is with everything that Jesus does, he's, he's always trying to teach us something, right? He's not just, he's not just uh, washing feet to wash feet. I mean, he's, he's got something he's trying to show these people that he loved that will be joy to them. And that's why he's trying to show it to him. So he, he goes on to, to give us not only an illustration, but, but the application. And this is really cool when Jesus does this. Pastors love it when Jesus gives the illustration and the application. Because then you guys can't be mad at me when I give you the application. You can't be like, that's not what it's saying. Well, Jesus says it pretty clearly. So, you know, all that's left for us to do is obey. So th- this is what Jesus says. If we look in verse 12, he gives us uh, the application. It says, when he, has washed the, when he had washed their feet and put on their outer garments, he resumed his place and said to them, do you understand what I've done for you? So Jesus is saying, okay, do you guys get what, what this has been? It's been service to you. And then he said to them, um, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right for I am so. So he's, he's kind of stopping and he's saying, you kind of partially get how high above you I am. You kind of partially understand the magnitude of who Jesus is. In verse 14, if you, if I then, your Lord and teacher, haven't wa- have washed your feet, here comes the application, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And all that I've done for you, you should do for one another. So the application is clear. Jesus is saying, my followers, my people, if you are a Christian, he is talking to you. He is saying, do as I have done. Go down, okay? Go down low, lift other people up, serve them. And, and knowing what we know from verses one, two, three, that takes on a lot more meaning because Jesus is saying, hey, I, I went down low with the cross in front of me, all right? With the hardest day of my life with suffering coming. I went down low and served you. Do that for others. He's saying, even knowing that, that you guys don't deserve this, that Judas is, was going to betray me, I went down low and served you guys. You do that as well, all right? Even though I have the, the supreme position in the name above all names, I stoop low and serve sinful men. You do the same. All right, so I, I, could, I could hang out here for a while and say it in 30 different ways, but Jesus' point is clear. He says, I have given you an example. Do just as I have done for you. That's what Jesus is saying. Philippians 2 verse 3 says, we are to do nothing from selfish ambition and conceit, but in humility, we should count others more significant than ourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And that's what Jesus is asking us to do in this passage. Um, we're, all, we're all different people and different spheres of influence, but this, this will work its way out in all of our lives. And what Jesus is saying is he's saying, husbands, go low and serve your wives, all right? If you don't know how, ask your wives. They would be glad to tell you how to serve them. It would be their joy. They probably already have a list written out. You just haven't asked, all right? So if that doesn't work, go to Ephesians 5. And Jesus shows you, displays you. He works it out in his relationship between him and the church. And he says, this is what loving and serving your wife looks like. So man, husbands, go low, serve your wives. Fathers, go low and serve your kids, your family. Get down low, lift them up. All right, give the, the best of your time, your energy, your efforts to them. Get down low and serve them. Children, 
joyfully serve your parents. Dirk's kids, joyfully serve your daddy. Amen. Yeah. Man, man, make, make them proud of you. Honor them with your actions and your words. Serve your parents. And wives, serve your husbands. Be a helper to them. All right, that, that's what this text is saying. It's saying we all should go low, those of us who are followers of Christ, and we should serve one another. Get low and resist the temptation to look for excuses. Does anybody like me? Man, when something hard comes, I'm like, where is the, how do I get around this? Where's the loophole? All right, where's the fine print? How do I escape serving others? All right, so being, having that kind of personality, I went and I was looking. I was like, all right, where's the loophole? And in verse 18, I found one. It says this. I am not speaking to all of you. I know whom I have chosen. Judas is the loophole. And all those who are like him who would sell Jesus out for convenience. People who aren't followers of Christ are exempt from serving. But I don't want to be in that category. And I hope you guys don't want to either. But um, for, for Christians, man, there's no excuse for us. As a matter of fact, that's what Jesus says in verse 16. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. So Jesus is literally saying, look around. Who's the greatest among us? It's me. And if I got down and served you guys, you have no excuse. You're left with that one. You go low and you serve others. So Jesus really rips away every kind of excuse for us. And as a matter of fact, at the end of the passage, in uh, verse 34, after Judas has left... Jesus rephrases this as a commandment. He says, A new commandment I give to you, that you should love one another just as I have loved you. You are to also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So Jesus is saying, if you are a Christian, you will do this. And not only that, it will be a mark, a characteristic of a true believer. And when the world sees it, they'll say that person is like Jesus. When they see us loving and forgiving and being gracious, all right? When they say, see good marriages, all right? And, and good fathers, they will say, that's the mark of a believer, all right? So if, if you know, they, they're like, man, I know that guy's wife. She's terrible. How does he love her so well? They'll say, Jesus, it has to be Jesus. You gotta be a believer. Or when they see a mom loving kids that are terrible, they'll say, how does she do that? I have those kids in my Sunday school class. They're hard to love. Jesus, it'll, it'll be a, a display of, of, of him in you, you serving and loving people who are hard to love. We must look different from the world, and that's what Jesus is saying here. Um, Jesus knows that this is gonna be hard. It's, it's hard to serve others, right? Man, it's really hard to, to love and serve other people. But, but Jesus promises us that it will be worth it. Our, our sinful hearts, they, they like to lead us to believe that following Jesus is gonna be like a, a terrible thing and we're gonna be miserable, but it's not. It always leads to joy. And that's what Jesus says in verse 17. He says, if you know these things, so if you understand what's going on in front of us or that has happened so far in this passage, blessed are you if you do them. And, and that word blessed that he's using is the same word he uses in the Beatitudes. It means joyful, fulfilled, happy. So Jesus is literally saying, happy is the man who goes low and serves others. Joyful, blessed, happy are people who, who get down low and serve people who don't deserve to be served. That's not the way our world talks, is it? They, they say, man, you, you don't serve others because you won't have anything left over for yourself. Or they say, hey, the whole point here is, is not to serve others. It's to climb high so that you get served. 
And you want to get on the top so people come take care of you. But, but Jesus, as he always does, he flips things around and says, no, the world's got it backwards. You go low and serve and then you will be happy. And so I did an experiment the other day and I asked a couple pastors, I said, I want you to name the happiest people you can think of in our church. So, and, and if you're not on the list, it's okay. We, I, th- this is just people that were on every one of our lists. So some of you are on the list, just not on everyone's list. And here's, here's the one we came with. Uh, Gigi, Ed Evans, Kathy Kirkendall, The Wells, Ryan Clem, Sharon Clem, all right? You know, like Ed Evans, is he not so happy he makes you sick sometimes? You're like, nobody should be as happy as Ed is. He's always bubbling with joy, you know? And even if someone came through here and they wreck the church, you know, we, we have team kids on Wednesday night and they just tore it up. There's gum stuck in the carpet. He would walk in and say, glad to see the church is getting used. Man, it's my joy to clean up. I know these kids are here tearing it up, but I know they're here hearing, hearing the truth about Jesus. And it, like he, he really is happy all the time. Okay, so then the, the next question I ask myself after I had that list is, are these people servants? And they are. Every one of those people, I, I, they're, they're actively serving in our church. I could call up Ed, I could call up the, the Jeff or Teresa Wells, and they would be happy to do whatever needed to be done. They'd say, what time do I need to be there? Right, I, I, yeah, I'd love to help out. Give me, the, give me the lesson so I can start studying. They're excited to serve. And that's just, that's just one little picture of, of the truth that Jesus is saving, saying those who go low and serve others will be filled with joy. It, of course, the, the, the best study or, or you know, case study you could do would be on Jesus himself, you know, the, the suffering servant who his whole life was, was that of serving people who didn't deserve it. And man, was Jesus happy? You've ever, I don't think he ever walked around with a frown on his face. I mean, I think he was always bubbling over with joy from, from loving and serving others and, and lifting people above himself. That's what Jesus was doing. So that, that's the, the first kind of picture we want to look at. And, and that's who Jesus is, how he served, and what he's called us to do. So he, he, he tells us through, through example, joyfully go low and lift others up, and that will be joy for you. So that's kind of the first picture we look at. And, and now I want to turn kind of and look at the two conversations that Jesus has with, with Peter and Judas. And this is really two responses to, to Jesus' service. So he, he's, he's served, he's gone low, he's lifted up. Let's see how Peter responds. So turn to, look in verse six. He came to Simon Peter and said to him, uh, and Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not my feet, but also my hands and head. So starting off, Peter's having a very hard time with Jesus's illustration. He's, he's sitting there and Jesus is getting closer to him. And Peter's like, this isn't right. Like, you know, Jesus is the greatest among us. And, and he's down on the floor. This doesn't make sense to me. And, 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 I, and I think why Peter's having such a hard time is because he, he walked with Jesus. He lived with Jesus. He saw all that he did. So all these things are playing back in his mind. He's like, Man, like this is the same guy who fed thousands and thousands of men, women, and children with one lunch. Like that guy's going to wash my feet? Uh-uh. This is the guy who walked out to us on a boat 
He walked on the water like I walk on solid ground and he's going to grab my feet. Mm-mm. Man, this, this is the same Jesus who when he speaks to illnesses or sicknesses or demons or even death itself, they obey. He says, get out of that person. They, they listen. That Jesus, he's the son of God. He's not going to clean my feet up. So Peter's really, he's struggling. He's having a hard time with this. And, and I, I, hope, I hope that you can, I, I hope you can sympathize with Peter. Is Jesus' love for sinners not crazy? Is it not hard to understand? Is it, is it not strange that, that the king of glory would stoop down to clean Daniel up? You know, like Pastor said, he, he was given a testimony, something God has done. Is that not strange? It's strange that, that God would love us like he does. It really is. It's strange that, that he would give us that time and he would serve us in such an awesome way. Because not only does Peter know who Jesus is, but Peter knows who Peter is. And Peter knows the thoughts and the, the, the wicked deeds he's done. And he's having a really hard time letting Jesus serve him. So that's, that's why Peter is so adamant about not letting Jesus touch his feet. But, but if you think about it like this, Peter's having such a hard time with Jesus doing that. He's going to have a real hard time tomorrow when the cross comes, understanding what's going on. Because if we're just getting a tiny, tiny glimpse of Jesus' humility, his love, his servant's heart right now when he's cleaning up dirty feet. But tomorrow, he's going to show the fullness of it on the cross when he's not after feet, but souls that are far dirtier than any feet could ever get. And, he's, and, and Peter then, when Peter asks the question, why me? He's, he's going to lose his mind. He says, why? Why is he doing that? Why, why is he standing in my place? Why is he dying my death? Why is he cleaning up my filthy soul? And then he's going to ask, why me? And, and I think that why me question for the Christian, should, should, it's going to be our joy forever. I think in heaven, I'm, I'm still going to be saying, why me? Why'd you love me? Why'd you, why'd you save me? Why'd you stoop low and clean me up? Why, why didn't you let me just you know, go off and do my own thing? Why did you care so much to pursue me, Jesus? And then for all of eternity, like I'll delight in that. It'll be my joy forever and ever and ever. And that's, that's what... Peter's doing. He's astonished that a holy God would empty himself and, and take the, this position of slave to clean up dirty men. And that's what he's done for us. So that, that's one way to respond to Jesus being a servant. It's to, to be filled with the joy, to delight in what he's done, to, to just be astonished and say, how can you love like this? Now let's, let's look at how Judas responds. So the verses um, about Judas, there's four of them, and they, they're woven all throughout the text. It's like John's just telling us, don't forget Judas is here. All right? Don't forget that, that he already has in his heart betrayal. Don't forget that, that Jesus knows all of this. So l- listen to these verses. Verse two, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him. Verse 11, for he knew who was to betray him. That's why he said, not all of you are clean. Verse 18, I'm not speaking to all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread will lift his heel against me. Verse 21, truly, truly, one of you will betray me. So what's happening, happening here is John saying, do not forget Judas was there the whole time this was happening, okay? And, and he's making that clear to us. But I think the, the thing he wants us to get, probably most important of all, why he stacked all these verses here, is that when, when Judas left, 
to go betray Jesus that night, he did it with clean feet. And he, he like Jesus just served him. He just scrubbed his feet. He just loved him. He was on his knees in front of him. And, and Judas missed it. And, and he walked off to, to betray the Savior. I mean, that, that's a crazy thing. And have you guys ever been watching a movie, like a horror movie, and you want to yell at the TV, like, don't go in there. That's, that's a bad decision. That's stupid. That's what I want to do at this text to Judas. Like, I want to scream through the Bible and be like, do not walk away. Don't do it. Jesus is in front of you. You can see him. You can talk to him. You can ask him any question you want. And you're about to walk away from the only one who can clean you up. Don't do it. I want to yell at him and just say, you're going to miss it, Judas. And he does. Did, did Jesus have to wash his feet? He lets him go as soon as he's done explaining it. You know, he, could he not, you know, Jesus says, hey, go do what you need to do. He could have said that before, before he washed his feet. But instead he left him there so he could love and serve him. And I think he does that for a couple of reasons. I, I think number one, I don't have an excuse not to serve difficult people. I don't have an excuse not to serve the person who I'm almost 100% sure is going to betray me. That's not an option for me. I'm called to go low and serve and love them. Even if I know or I'm sure that they are going to, you know, just blow it off and treat it like it was nothing. Jesus was, was joyfully scrubbing Judas's feet. It wasn't a burden to him. And then I, I think the second reason is that it shows us that Christ, this is a characteristic of Christ, that up until the end, he offers love and cleaning and friendship to everyone, even when he knows they won't accept it. Man, what a, what a terrible weight to miss who Jesus is. To have him right there in front of you, to live with him, man, to, to hear every one of his teaching. Judas saw everything that Peter saw. He just responded differently. And I think that, man, that, that it breaks my heart. Like, and I, I have to ask the question, if there was one out of the 12, could there be some here today? Could, could we miss it? And I think we can. The, the Bible says that, that, is, that, that Judas' story is a common story. Okay? The world, our churches, probably even our small groups, are filled with people who are probably going to miss it, that, that might be around Jesus, that might hear his truths preached weekly but then not respond in a right way. Not, not really get the relationship, just kind of be faking it. And, and there, there's a type of person out there who, man, they, they just, they don't get it to it's, till it's too late or they're not honest with themselves till it's too late. Okay, it's, it's, it's after the catastrophe hits that they start saying, oh man, this was terrible. And that's what Judas does. So he, he walks out to betray Jesus. He trades him for 30 pieces of silver. All right, so he trades him for 30 pieces of silver. Shortly after, he hears that, that Jesus is uh, being condemned to death on a cross. And then, then Judas' realization starts to hit in. He starts to say, wait, wait a second, this isn't right. So he goes back to the religious leaders. He takes those 30 pieces of silver. He throws them down on the ground. He says, I don't want them anymore. Okay. I didn't know, I didn't know this was what's going to happen. Here, here's your money back. And the religious leaders say, it doesn't matter to us. Okay, we, this is what we're doing. This was our plan all along. And then, then Judas, with the heavy, heavy weight of, of missing Jesus and, and betraying him, goes off and he hangs himself. And, and I think, 
I think if we could look into the mind of Judas in his last hour and, and hear the thoughts that he was thinking, I think we would hear this. I think we would hear, what was I thinking? How could I have been so stupid? Man, all Jesus ever did was love me and, and want a relationship with me and give me truth and serve me. And I blew it off. I faked it. I traded him for 30 pieces of silver. What a terrible trade. What a terrible trade. What a terrible trade. Those were the thoughts going on in his mind. And then, and then when he hung himself, he was trying to escape the weight of those. But, but here's the saddest reality of all. He didn't escape it. Now for eternity, those are going to weigh on him. That's hell, being separated from, from your only chance, your only hope, being split apart from Jesus. Hell is making that terrible trade. And that's what Judas did. And forevermore, he's going to be saying, what a terrible trade. Why, why was I so stupid? Oh, if I could have that moment back to be where he was at my feet. Wash. Man, if I could have him do that to my heart, that's what Jesus or Judas's eternity is going to be like. And it, it's just, it's, it's a terrible thing. His final hours were spent in deep misery. And some of you may, may look, step back and just say, what a fool, what, like to trade Jesus for so little of a price. I would never sell him for that, that cheap of a price. Well, then what is your price? Is it 40 pieces of silver, a thousand? Maybe, maybe money's not your thing. Maybe it's comfort. Maybe you, I'll, man, I'll trade Jesus for my comfort or, or my freedom to live as I wish. Maybe, maybe you say, maybe it's going to take the whole world. If you give me the whole world and everything in it, I would trade that for, for a real relationship with Jesus. All those trades are equally terrible in eternity. It doesn't matter what you get. They're all a terrible trade. You would join Judas in those, those thoughts of, that rack over and over again in your mind. Why did I do that? That was stupid. What a terrible trade. That would be your end too. But, there, there, is, there is hope today. Okay? I want to I end on hope. There, there is hope today. So Jesus, he still willingly stoops low to clean people up. Okay? It's not too late for us right now in this moment. Jesus, he, he still will gladly come down and save sinners. It's, it's his joy. Man, he's, he's excited to do it. And He'll do that for you today. And, and here's, the, here's the cool thing about this text. I don't think that's only for lost people. It is for lost people in a huge way. Do not walk away from Jesus. Do not, do not go out of here having heard his truths and miss it. I do think this text screams that, but I also think it says, you who are saved, do not get in the habit of not letting Jesus clean you up, though you're already clean. If you look at verse 8, Jesus says this in a conversation with Peter. He said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and head. Give me a whole bath, Jesus. And Jesus is like, that's kind of weird, Peter. I'm not gonna give you a bath, right? And then Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to be washed except his feet but is completely clean and you are clean. So Jesus is having this conversation with Peter. He says, Peter, I know you're clean. I know you belong to me. I know I've got your heart. 
but don't think you don't need to come back to me for cleaning. Don't, you live in a sinful world, you're a sinful man. And we can see that through, Peter's always out of line. And Jesus is saying, do not get in the habit of thinking you don't need to come to me every day and bring your dirt before me and let me scrub it off. So I, I think that this, this passage is an invitation to everyone. Man, let's get clean. Jesus, he's ready. He's got his towel on. He's stooped down. He'll clean us up. We just got to come. And, and, and we got to resist to be like Peter and yank back our feet and say, you're not cleaning me up. And we need to bring all our, confess, confess our sins to him. And he is faithful and just to forgive us and clean us up. That's what we need to do. And, and, and we don't want to be like Judas. We don't want to miss it. We don't want to walk out of this, this place with a, a relationship with Jesus being available, true, real benefits, okay, joy. We don't want to leave that here today. So I, I just, um, man, I want to pray for us and I want us to go from this place and I want it to be our mission. Man, if you're a Christian here, I want you to go serve as Jesus served. Man, do that this week. Just think of something right now. Who do I need to serve? Who's that hard person that I don't want to serve? than I need to. And how, how can I go low this week and, and build others up? And, and how will that be a light of Christ to those, those people? Maybe you just need to marvel in who Jesus is and how he served. Just pause and say, well, I can't believe he did that. I can't believe that that's what he's gonna do for the rest of eternity. He's gonna take care of this worthless sinner. So uh, however you need to respond, respond to Christ right now. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for this church. I love them. I want good things for them, God. And, and looking at this passage in verse 17, you want joy for us, God. And joy is, is us following you. Joy is in us giving you our sins. Joy is in us being like Jesus and serving others, God. So please don't let us miss out on joy. Please don't let us walk away from Jesus pray this in your name. Amen.
may be seated for just a second. Let me introduce you. You already know the Benson family, and uh, they are coming forward today to unite in formal membership with Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church. And so uh, they're, bapt- uh, they're born-again believers and uh, been baptized. We're working on, uh, we're, we're going to start a conversation about, com- uh, about baptism uh, with this one. And so uh, that'll be coming soon, and uh, we get that great opportunity. So would you affirm their candidacy for membership with an amen? Amen. All right. You guys can be seated. And uh, tell you what, when Pastor Daniel preaches, good things happen right there, huh? Hey, what an opportunity we have to, to step out and apply this sermon. Uh, you know, there's a lot of sermons where we're just pointing to the glory of Jesus, and, um, and that's good. Uh, but man, this is one of those hands and feet that, uh, and you ought, to, you ought to have something in your mind. And, and if not, you ought to...